Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this follows uh, last week's class on Sumangala, Freedom Through Jhana. This is Sumangala's mother, Freedom Through Jhana too. also. Very short, and it points to the importance of Jhana, but we understand, again, this is, this is one of those poems that someone will come across. In fact, someone has told me, I'm saying this, sorry. somebody pointed to this one poem, saying to me, see, the Buddha just taught meditation. Out of everything that's on my website, they picked out this one. And again, that's what people do. Sumangala's mother practiced the Dhamma within the original Sangha. She understood Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, etc. And she used jhana meditation as the foundation for d- developing that understanding. Uh, Sumangala's mother. Freedom, freedom. I am completely free. Free from my pestle, free from my shameless husband and his sunshade making, meaning he's such a lazy slob. Free from my moldy old pot with its waste water snake smell. She's talking about the drudgery of dealing with herself and her life before. Passion, aversion, and delusion characterize all of that. I cut it all with a single chop. I have come to the root of a tree and I do jhana. What bliss. You read it first, yeah, didn't you? It's like, you know, these uh, this little vitamin shots that you can buy, you know, which is supposed to give you a boost. These this, this short sanghas are like, are like that for me, you know. It's just simple and effective. Yeah, that's right. That's all they're for. Give you a boost, remind you. Look, at, I mean, this is a voice from 2,600 years ago. It's still inspiring, isn't it? I mean, to me it is. And yeah, oh yeah, exactly. everything's crazy. The eightfold path sucks. I can still go do jhana, do jhana, do jhana. I love it, and it's the key to everything. It's the key to you reclaiming your mind is rooted in that. Now, one more thing about what we were talking about, and I think you know it. There's certain um, mental side effects to antidepressant drugs, and one of the side effects is they they tend to make it more difficult to concentrate. But that doesn't mean you can't practice a concentration practice. It just might be a little bit more difficult for you, Dominic. But again, that's just you. It doesn't mean you can't. It just means, you know, you might have to put a little bit more right effort into it. You might have to do it when it feels like it's, excuse me, not really working. Let me just take a sip. So how is your jhana practice? How do you characterize it for me? Um, yeah, let's say it like that, you know, uh, I don't remember if we did this uh, course or did I just read it online, I don't remember, but when Buddha was talking about, um, like, uh, if you say, this is not who I used to be, or this is not who I want to be, that is wrong. So, you are who you are at the moment, don't... Yep. You know, don't delve into the past and don't go, don't go into the future. 
I read this and I think to myself, sorry for the rough language, but fuck yeah. That's it. I understand it. Yeah. I Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. Uh, I want you to know you're the I, only person that's lucky enough to hear me curse so much. So, so yeah, but, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, because I do too. Uh, I didn't used to curse, you know. My my my, my wife is uh, guilty for that. Oh, so blame her for me too. She's a bad seller from across the pond. She's influencing people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she curses like an old sailor, you know. She's <laughs> <yeah>, old. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's at at times I really do think, you know. I get it. I, I really do get it, you know. Yeah. But uh, every time something happens and I have to put this uh, idea into action, uh, you froze up, Dominic. Dominic, you're still there. Oh. Dominic. You're frozen, Dominic. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. Do you want to log off and log back on? Recording in progress. There you are. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Mateo has joined us. It's kind of late. Um, I, I'd rather continue our conversation. Uh, but no, you... no, no. Let him... Mateo, send me an email. Did you give me my email address? I did. Is that okay, I hope? Now that I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it okay if I let him in? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right, well, we can continue the conversation. I'm glad he's here. So you, Hi, everybody. Hello, Mateo. Hey, good to see you. I'm sorry that I'm very late. Sorry. No, I'm glad you're here. Um, we, we actually just finished the short suit, but I'm going to ask Dominic if he would mind if I just read it again. Yeah, no problem. It's, yeah. it's really short, so... Yeah, it's only a couple lines, but just so you... You're in the conversation. So this follows last week's um, short poem from Sumangala on the importance of Jhana. And this is Sumangala's mother, freedom from Jhana also, too. And she, she writes from 2,600 years ago, I am completely free, free from my pestle, free from my shameless husband and his sunshade making, his, his laziness, free from my moldy old pot, with its water snake smell. She's talking about how miserable her life was when she was in it as a self-referential person, dragging that all through her. The, 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 the um, ongoing drudgery of passion, aversion, and delusion, in her words. She says, I cut it with a single chop. I have come to the root of a tree in Dujana. What bliss. That's the end of that little sutta. Uh, so, of course, we, we know that Sumangala's mother was also practicing the entire Eightfold Path, understanding Four Noble Truths, but that that entire foundation rests in proper right meditation, and that's the point of that little sutta. 
so there it is. And and Dominic and I were were talking about um, bringing in the Dhamma at the point of contact. I guess that's the way to characterize it, right, Dominic? Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying before something related to that. I don't know if you still remember. It was a few minutes ago. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, it seems to me like I at times really understand the Dharma, but when it's time to put it into practice, uh, I seem to, you know, get lost in my thoughts again and just fail to, to, to do it. Yeah, and the recognition of that is the beginning of doing it. So... Again, it's just as your concentration increases, you'll be able to call on that more often in those moments when you're distracted. And that is the point of Dhamma practice. It's not that it's failing so much. It's just that you need a little bit more practice to continue to integrate it. And I would ask Mateo, I think, I mean, you've talked about that, of interrupting your past condition thinking now framed by the Eightfold Path. Is that, am I characterizing that correctly? Yes, yes, yes. And... uh, Regarding this poem, I I read this poem because I know there was like tonight class, and then uh, I found last week uh, a book, uh, the the whole collection of the poem from the the nun, and then uh, from the and I'm start reading uh, a lot of poem. Like I start with the with the bikuni, so the the yep. nun, the nuns, very nice. I remember one sentence. Of course, it's a translation in English, but like I don't know if it's exactly exactly what they mean in Pali, but there is a one center was repeating in a lot of poems that I really love, they say like uh, at the end of, one, of the poem there was the, the nun say I split the mass of mental darkness mm. that's so beautiful how it's yeah. Made, yeah. yeah again, and it kind of points to Dominic I had a rather long, I'm not going to get into what that was all about, but we're, we're working with the way we think and it's it's not a it, there's nothing magical about working with our thoughts, is it? They're hard thoughts. We don't have to get analytical. We don't need, you know, we don't need scientific studies of our thoughts. They're my thoughts. I know them. I just have to get <laughs> I have to get real about them, right? I have to understand it. Why do I think this way? And what do they make me do? What motivates me? Where are they rooted in greed, aversion, and deluded thinking? And where are my thoughts rooted in wisdom? And when I can recognize that, I can build on the wisdom and abandon what is causing all the distress in my life. And it's a path for a reason. It's an, you know, it's an ongoing practice of, you know, we're in this wise restraint structured study on a Tuesday and Saturday classes. But that whole, that whole point is in this moment, I have enough concentration so that I can actually practice restraint married by wisdom. I know what to hold on to in this moment or what to build on, and I know what to abandon. How do I know it? Because it's distressing or distracting. Either way, I let it go. And, uh, and, it, it, and again, not to be too simplistic, but it's important to remember it is just that simple. And so when it doesn't seem that way, when I'm caught up in the world looking for, for grand answers to simple issues, I can remember, I can take a breath and say, wait a minute, even that thought that it needs to have a more complicated issue is not me, it's not mine, it's not what I am. I disassociate myself from those kind of thinkings and recognize... What, one of the things that, that allowed me to look for what the Buddha actually taught, my inner motivation was, I just felt that if an awakened human being actually taught something useful, it had to be, well, maybe not simple, but it had to be direct. And it had to be easily understood. Now, I know that I have 
a, a relatively average to high average IQ, but that really doesn't matter. What I'm saying is I have a normal human mind. And he must have taught something that this human mind should be able to understand. And that's what I found when I stripped off all the magic and mysticism. And then it became plain. Yeah, the Buddha's telling me. I've been taking my entire life personal, personally, and he's basically saying, stop it, because there's nothing personal in life, except as I make it so. So all the, even the mass shootings or the wars or the way I'm thinking about today's sunrise, it's all occurring, or my reaction or response to it has to do with what I'm holding in mind. It has nothing to do with what's occurring out in the world. And, you know, so I can continue, um, if I continue my own self-loathing through a lack of wise restraint, then I can only project that loathing onto the world in one way or another. It has to come out. You know, that's the other thing, and maybe I shouldn't even say this, but it's probably be the last book I ever write, if I ever write it, but it has to do with life as a zero-sum game. And it, what that means is that whatever we hold in mind, whether it's as individuals, as a town, as a country, or as a global society, will always manifest up. That's what the Buddha means by there is dukkha. We cannot escape what's going on in our minds. And because he recognized the underlying quality of the human mind, he said, there is dukkha. It's because of the way human beings think. Mostly, you know, hurricanes got nothing to do with that, but mostly. And so the resolution is in the way human beings think. But I can't change the way you think, can I? Reasonableness tells me that if I'm upset with the way you think, what can I do about it? Or the way you're acting based on what you're thinking. Can I change your thinking? Can I, can I beg you to change your thinking? Can I plead with you? Can I tell you how wrong you are or how racist you are or how white you are, black you are, or Jewish you are, whatever it might be? Or can I change my thinking about you? What has the most reasonable expectation of success? <laughs> I'll change the way I think about you and I'll leave myself at peace. And guess what? Then I can leave you at peace. And I can leave the black person down the street in peace and the white supremacist and the Republican and the Democrat and the Russian and the Ukraine and all this. I can leave them all at peace if I can just find peace within myself. So there you all have it, folks. I've just solved the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope you, I hope you see. I, I, and I told Dominic, I've been thinking a lot about because of the shooting, just sometimes the... the um, Mental illness that's so widespread in the world is shocking even to someone as evolved as me, and it tends to throw me for a little bit of a loop. Um, but this class helps, and talking about it helps. We, we're, we're are a world that a, a man 2,600 years ago told us, your world is characterized by greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Get used to it. But we can understand it, and we can stop being a part of that, you know? So anyway, Dominic, how do you, how are you? Uh, what do you have to say after this uh, our class today? Oh, actually, I have a question. Please, sort of. Uh, okay, so the Buddha and you know the monks and the nuns, they. I'm not gonna say that they. Uh, wow, now I'm lost for words. But they actually, they didn't abandon the world, definitely not. They still had to live in the world, but they did abandon their previous way of living. 
somewhat. So by joining the Sangha and you know not staying in one place all the time, and do you think it's actually possible to develop Dhamma by you know in this modern society when to to stay in one place and you know to be surrounded all the time by this uh, stress and you know, mm. or or do I have to abandon this world to 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 actually understand the Dhamma? Well, uh, it's a great question. Um, I don't know what you actually think of me, and that's none of my business. It really isn't. I'm just prefacing what I'm about to say by saying that. I can tell you that I have freed myself of fear, and to a great extent, I've developed a calm and peaceful mind, which is what the Buddha and the Dhamma promised me. And I understand the way I think, and I understand what motivates me today. That's, that is remarkable. And so to answer your question, I would say yes. And I would also say using some of the folks during that are included in the Sanghas, such as Anathapandika, but there's many others, that developed the Buddha's Dhamma to its culmination while still being in the world during the Buddha's time, proved that it's just, the Buddha taught a Dhamma for all human beings, not just monastic, and he was emphatic about that. I would say it's a little bit in some ways, it's easier to just leave the world behind. But you also have to take... There was a book, I think you might have heard of Thomas Merton. He was a, uh, an American mystic, a Christian mystic. And he wrote a lot of books. One was a seven-story mountain or something like that. He was a, a big meditator. But one of the things I, that always stuck with me, he says, meditation is wonderful. Everybody should do it. He said, but at some point in your life, you have to come down from the mountaintop and enter the marketplace. Meaning that, what good is your meditation if you're just doing it there? You've got to be able to bring it into the world. And remember that the original Sangha, they didn't spend even a day, most of the time, isolated from the world. Every day they got up, they put on their dirty robes and their dirty bowl, and they walked into town, and they interacted with the townsfolk. They gave them a little bit of Dhamma for a little bit of food. So, again, they weren't isolated at all in any way. They were deeply involved in the world, but they weren't entangled in the world. And so they came, they left the world behind, and they do just what we do. We come in, we sit on our cushion, we deepen our jhana, we reclaim our mind, and we get on the rest of our day. The next day we wake up, we reclaim our mind again in preparation for the day. We come back, we reclaim our mind again, we do jhana. Just as Sumangala's mother said, do jhana, do jhana. What bliss. And we have it. We have the same tools, the same path that an awakened human being taught for others to do. And we're doing it. And we're reaping the benefits of it, I would say. Even if they're not as permanent or as quick as we would like. Um, so I would ask, ask you, Dominic, again, is that an accurate statement that I just made? I have a sub-question, if I may. Please. So... Yeah, I mean, as you said, John, I, I don't know much about your life, you know. Uh, but would you say that your uh, deeper understanding of the Dhamma came when you were not so much involved in the normal world? So you're probably not working now, are you? Not now. Well, I'm still working. I'm, actually, I'm probably working... I was probably as active doing something productive 
as I ever was. No, but yes. So uh, you're not working in, in construction, let's no, say. No. So do Very you low. think you could achieve this understanding, uh, this level of understanding, by still being involved with your previous regular job? Yes, I was. I was in construction up until fairly recently. Say, really, was it? Uh, a full-time business about five or six years ago and then dabbling up until just a couple of years ago until I just couldn't do it anymore. In fact, right now I'm still involved in building it. I'm just supervising a deck out in front of my house. Um, so, yeah, so I was, I was deeply involved in my Dhamma practice while I was still involved in construction. I will say that teaching the Dhamma helped deepen it and clarify it. Seeing how you and Matteo and others or applying the Dhamma, enriched my own practice by just seeing different applications and how people are doing it. Not, or applying the same, the same Dhamma in their own way. And that's been enriching, enriching and enlightening, I would say. So yeah, you, don't, you certainly don't have to leave the world behind, which was the underlying implication of that question, in order to develop the Dhamma. But... You're also there's there's also kind of an implication there. Maybe I'm seeing something there. Maybe I should do that. But we're given that seclusion, Dominic. Twice a day, we can afford ourselves that respite from the world, and that's our jhana practice. Go find the root of a tree or an empty hut and do jhana, where the Buddha's words meaning establish seclusion, establish the seclusion of a, a, a secluded monastery, even if it's just for those twenty minutes. But that's enough. That's enough to develop the Dhamma. But if we don't afford ourselves that, right meditation for the right duration, meaning we might have to build up to that, well, then we won't have that benefit, will we? So you could say that the substitute for the monastic life is an authentic and well-practiced jhana practice. So really important question. I hope I, my answer was helpful. Yeah, yeah. So basically... I, I have to be involved in this world because otherwise uh, my practice, I, I cannot practice if I'm not in this world. You know, it's easy to be secluded. So, but I do need peace and quiet for myself to, yes. to actually... Everybody, yeah. you have to. Yeah, so you, you, your situation is that you are in the world. And then the question is, do you want to be a Dharma practitioner? I think yes. So now you're a Dharma practitioner in the world. It's just that. So even the thought that, gee, wouldn't it be easier or better or whatever that might be if I could go join a monastery? Who knows? The, but the, the quick answer and the right answer is you're not. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider it. I mean, if you told me, I, I'm thinking of leaving the world behind and joining a monastery somewhere, I, you know, we'll talk about it. And I would ask you to investigate it and you know, make sure it's what you want to do. But, um, but you're not and I'm not. And we're, we're doing what we can. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's um, it's an issue that I probably a few months ago asked some a question very similar to John about that. Like that's like we start to talk like to move in my metaphorical cave. So I change, uh, I change the place, and uh, I agree with, with both points of view. I think like probably it, it really depends on people and a lot of stuff. I mean like. Uh, uh, I was thinking as well uh, to, to leave to go to the monastery all this stuff but then like I read also other some stories I know also monk that 
they got crazy in the monastery. Yep. And then I was thinking, okay, it's really depends. It's really up to people. I know, like you know, story of sexual abuse in a monastery. Yeah. People that by the correct dharma. That was like the the the, the easiest one. Um, I don't know. For me, like a, a very silly example. Since I moved here, I was a bit disrupted because I was doing the moving all this stuff. I wasn't doing, like a very great meditation. The first three days, I was very pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized how silly I am. So like, well, yeah, I want to do meditation to get relaxed. I got very pissed off because I can't do meditation. Yeah. And then I started to come back to do meditation very well. I realized that like, the usual time when I do meditation is that for some unlucky circumstances, is the time where there is the, the most traffic in the street outside. And, you know, I do three days, like my focus was just on the traffic, was just, ah, oh, these bloody cars, this bloody all the time. And then I just like, okay, so I, I cannot change my the time because like that I have to work. That is my only time to do in the morning. So I just buy earplugs. Huh. And I put earplugs. I found very silly the first days, like, oh gosh, I need earplugs to do meditation. And then I like it, but then it helps. I yeah. say, okay, I can't anything, I got more focus. But maybe some other guy he can be even more focused than me, that even in the middle of a, of a traffic jam is able to be very focus and meditate so um, maybe I'm not able maybe I'm not yet at that stage it's uh, but of course I think uh, as Gautama said we need the middle way no so if yeah. you stay like in a place with uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of bad people to say like in a very simplistic way or uh, you do a job that maybe is not so uh, I don't know it doesn't make you happy satisfied or is very bad for the Dharma of course like would be very difficult to apply dharma so you need something probably in between um, uh, yeah I, I don't know probably it's that either you leave or you try to live in this world uh, as much as you can in a peaceful and focused mind yeah I think uh, this is some sutra I can't remember which sutra that we say like uh, when you want to start to be when you start to practice dharma you should not associate with non-noble beings they say something like that, no? Well, I, didn't, I, I didn't quite follow you, Matteo. A Dharma practitioner should not associate himself with, with no noble ones. But my understanding of that means, like, uh, don't, don't, don't hang around with people that are, like, uh, uh, make difficult your practice. Yeah, there, there's a lot of teachings, uh, and we, we covered a lot in class, that, of how important wise associations are. Um, yeah. Most importantly, in your Dhamma practice, and, and that's one of the most important ways that the Buddha is teaching it, in your Dhamma practice, if you're going to develop the Dhamma, you must associate yourself with others that are actually practicing the Dhamma and associate your study with the Dhamma and not with other things. That, that's what that you know, wise association means. But then, outside of our practice, it's important just to associate with... Um, People that aren't naturally, you know, violent or uh, always arguing, those types of people. You know, we, we have a choice about who we associate with. But most importantly, how do, what do we associate with our Dhamma practice? And so that's what we, we need to keep pure as a Dhamma practice. Once we start associating with other things, a lot of times out of appeasement, you know, we, we want to do that. But it's just the Dhamma's lost. So we have this, again, this simple practice, do jhana. It's not, that's not complicated. An Eightfold Path is easy to understand. Um, and again, it, all of these things are only lost 
when we want them to be different or think that we have to add to them and make them more complicated than this guy taught. And it's, it's just like that. We found a simple and direct path that can be practiced anywhere at any time. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it's not based on any conditions, external or internal. It just, it's just there. It just applies. And I, to me, that's one of the most remarkable things about it. You know, it doesn't... Um, it, 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 it kind of goes along with this, and it has, has to do with my thinking. A few years ago, I, there's a monastery near, my, near me. Uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi is famous for being a part of that. You might have heard of him. Um, it's a beautiful place. I've been there quite a few times. It's about an hour north of here, and I thought that'd be a nice place to retire. Um, so I, I made inquiries. I told them about myself. I introduced myself. I told them about my books, and I you know, showed them my website and the classes I teach. Uh, and a couple months later, they came back to me and said, yeah, we think you'd be a fit. We'd want you to come for an interview. And then they put the qualifications. You would have to, I would have to become a part of the community, meaning I'd have to sign, give the books over to them. Any teachings I would make, I would get a stipend and the rest. And I, I'm all fine with that. You know, that would pay my way. So we kind of made an agreement. Um, but then I started thinking about it. And did I want to, this is a, it's a wonderful place. A lot of people go there. I'd probably be teaching to, a hundred people every Sunday if they allowed me to teach. That's another question of what they'd allow me to teach. Um, but their, their whole point of being, and Bhikkhu Bodhi screams this, and I shouldn't, he, he speaks of this loudly, that this is a place for all modern Buddhism to come and become one place. And that's what it is. You've got hundreds of people not practicing anything. Every Sunday there's a different topic and hardly any of it has to do with what the Buddha's teaching. And the more I thought about it, I went up there a few, few more times in the role of thinking I'm going to be a teacher here or even a resident, and it just wasn't good enough. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it because I'd be giving up the Dhamma to live in a place. You know, for some people that would sound wonderful because, you know, keep your mouth shut and, you know, eat your three squares. But I would have to abandon the Dhamma. To me, that would be abandoning my mind just to find a place to live. So anyway, it fit. I don't hardly usually talk about that, but it fit in this conversation. You know. Um, like Matteo, how are you doing? Just in general. I'm fine. Yeah, good. I'm fine. Like as I said, like was a bit like like I knew it before. Like, when you have to do the movie, I have to move like people with me around. So like now it's settled and all done, and um, I live in a, in a quieter place. It's not uh, the quietest place that I. I, I I was thinking in my mind, so my the cave, but we are we are getting close. Good, getting good for close. you. And your practice is going well. Yeah, yeah. Today, for example, I didn't have like a teaching, so I went to a mountain like for first four hour walking. I sit in there. I just do like an hour of meditation, then come back home. Nice. Yeah, good for you. Nothing special. I say like, okay, I do that, and um, yeah, I don't miss anything, so it's fine. I try to be. You know, uh, to be less worldly, you know, even like a, even like internet, no. So yes. after work, if if I don't I don't check anything else. I was like, you know, before you can be attracted by YouTube. Now you start to listen one song, then another one, then another one, and realize like, oh, one hour is gone. What yeah. I do nothing. So now, if it's happened, I just look something like related to to Buddhism or some like more meaningful topic. Or I just like switch off directly everything and that's it. That's it. That, that's it. You know, just because we can access it doesn't mean we should. You know, I know yeah, I've mentioned the book Stolen Focus a few times, but that everybody should read it and put down their 
their cell phones and laptops. I think that's what more difficult, but probably more useful for our practice. Because I'm one of those guys that if I don't have anything, I don't miss anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. I mean, it just, but if I have, if I have, maybe you can be tempted. That's probably is the right way to, to practice your Dharma, because you should be have everything in front of you, but you don't want it. Yeah, well, I mean, I could never say, all oh, the Internet is just awful, it's just bad, because it, I would have never met you folks. And, you know, I, we've all learned a lot of things. But, that, again, to me, a nice glass of wine is a great thing, but I don't drink it because I can't drink it. I just, you know, to me, one glass of wine doesn't work, so I don't. Hours and hours of Internet or, or Facebooking or wherever else people do doesn't work, so I don't do it. Uh, and, you know, I'm pretty good at turning things off it annoys some people. I take days, it just hits me where I don't want any electronics and I just turn everything off and I never miss it. I never once miss the computer or my phone or a tablet or anything. I just, it's, just, it's great to be without it and it's great when they're here. But you know. uh, It takes a well-concentrated mind to not be grasping after all the things that the world has. And Dominic, you mentioned it earlier, I, it is more difficult today because there's just more choices. A human mind rooted in greed is always wanting more, you know. Just what Mateo said, you know, <laughs> when I was staying with the monks, you know, for three days, uh, you know, they have breakfast at, I think it was at 7 a.m. And then there's lunch at between 11 and 12, I think. And that's it. Food done for the day. You can drink water, tea or whatever. I mean, you can still eat if you want to, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't miss food, you know. Yeah. I was completely fine with it, no problem. Then I came home where food is always available and yep. I just eat and eat and eat yeah. and eat. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be probably much easier for me to lose weight, you know, if I stay with the monks. But <laughs> uh, on the other side, I would probably lose my mind. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it, it's... Uh... You lose your weight when you lose your weight. Give yourself a big hug for who you yeah. are today, Dominic. <laughs> yeah. And I will, and Mateo would too. And I, again, we, just what we're talking about, it's not that complicated. It really does come down to radical self-acceptance and why wouldn't I? You know, why would I need to be any different than I am in this moment when I know I can't be? That doesn't mean I might learn something or, or gain a little deeper understanding and be that much different and so-called better, but who am I in this moment? I, you always hear me say it in class, I am what I am. Popeye was right. You know, this is what I am. And, and so am I going to fight that? Or am I going to, I mean, what, that, that's where hatred comes from, from me not accepting myself. And then I can't accept you. So. Let's get along. Jana. No, I mean, let's get along with ourselves, not with each other. If we can get along with ourselves, then we can get along with each other, you know. Uh, Uncle Sid was right. Can I ask you something? Please. Uh, I asked this uh, the same question to the monk, but he didn't have an answer. And uh oh, uh, it's from uh, I just let me just Google it uh, from the Dhammapada. You know, there is a verse two hundred and ninety four. It says, "The destroyer who reaches Nibbana, one's mother and father having having slain." And then two warrior kings, a realm as well its treasures, one goes immune, a brahmin true. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? Well, that, all of that is in reference to Mara, which is the, just the, the destroyer, 
and Mara is always reference or metaphor for ignorance. So what, what yeah, that whole that. section of the Dhammapada is saying, that it is ignorance of four noble truths, that leads to all this. But again, what, you have to understand what, what the context. Mother and father represent. That's what I'm not getting. Why, why, why you have to slay your mother and father? Oh, your mother or father is the the um, the mother is fa- and father is the giving birth to of ignorance. It's the arising of ignorance in your mind. That's why. You're, yeah, well, I can see. So it sounds like a violent verse. Again, unless yeah. you understand the proper context and what it relates to, mother and father is. The arising of ignorance within your mind. Mara is the is the metaphorical establishment of that, ongoing. So even when you hear things like um, samsara, wandering through samsara is the same metaphor as Mara. Mara is what we wander through samsara in. And if we want to eliminate it, we'll kill the originating factor, mother and father. You could say, Who brought you into this? You know, who brought you here? Mother and father. But that doesn't mean we go kill our mother and father. It means that we kill the originator. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Look at the, look what at my, the I can't case. remember where that line is exactly in my translation, but you might want to look it up and look at that. I think that's, oh. I can't think of the exact chapter, but you, you can look it up. It says verse 294, so I guess that's it. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember exactly where you'd find it, but you, you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> ah, that's my medication. And I was so surprised to find out that Lozinopril started getting his cough. Like, what is it? What is it? And it, doc, it's a side effect of just high blood pressure medicine. It doesn't make any sense, but there it is. All right. Any other questions or comments? Well, thank you for joining. We'll finish with Meta as we always do. So again, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you both for really a wonderful class today.
Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.